Well, if this is your first time with us this morning, thanks for being here. Uh, our hope is that MCC is the kind of place uh, where people can come and grow in their faith and, uh, and, and belong, be in a place of belonging for them. And if you are catching us online, thank you for joining us there. And if you live nearby, I hope that you will join us here soon. Maybe even a great way to start the new year, so I hope you'll consider that as well. Listen, this past month I've been sharing stories, uh, insights about hearing in our Whisper series. This is the last message in the Whisper series, uh, and uh, we've been focusing on how God has whispered to people in the Christmas story, uh, and today we're going to talk about two people that God whispered through uh, and what he says to us. He said to people then, he shows through them shows about us through them uh, today. So one more lesson on hearing, and uh, I think you've experienced this over the last month. And I don't know if you know this or if you remember this from high school or college classes, maybe something that you've learned, but sound waves crash into our ears much like a wave crashes onto the beach. Do you remember that? The outer ear functions like a funnel, and it catches the sound. And after traveling through the ear canal uh, and hitting the eardrum, the vibration bumps into the three tiniest bones in the body. Does anybody remember the name of the three tiniest bones in the body? The hammer, the anvil, and I'm hearing stirrup out here. Or syrup. Someone had pancakes. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure what I heard. Uh, I'm hearing pancakes. Uh, from the middle ear, the vibrations spiral through a snail-like tube called the cochlea, uh, which contains thousands of microscopic hairs, uh, and they amplify the sound as it moves on its way through the ear. And from there, the eighth cranial nerve transmits impulses, kind of like Morse code, inside the auditory cortex where pitch, volume, Tone, distance, direction, meaning, all of those are translated into actionable information. One of the mysterious capabilities of the human ear is that it can tune out certain sounds while it listens to others. You've experienced this if you've ever been in a gathering of people, maybe Christmas time or, or maybe coming up on New Year's Eve. Everyone is talking around you, right? Maybe you've been in a restaurant, people are talking around you, but you're able to tune into one person that you're want. Have you noticed that? Uh, that you're able to do that. Uh, did that happen to anybody over the holidays? You're, you're trying to tune out everybody else in your family. Uh, and I'm just talking about a conversation here, talking about a conversation because uh, so you can talk. I remember growing up playing with my friends. We were five houses down and across the alley, and I could still hear my mother screaming our names to come home for dinner. Anybody else? Your friends are all talking to you. you. You can pick out your mom's voice. This is something that drove my dad crazy. If you have hearing aids, you may note you can't do that. Your hearing aid does not do that for you. You just keep hearing all of the sounds at once, so it drove him crazy. This capability means that we actually hear things twice. Now, that's important this morning. Audiologically, there's a short time delay between the sound waves hitting the outer ear and then reaching the inner, inner ear. So some things we hear once because it hits the outside. Some things we hear twice because we let it through all the way in. Some things we don't allow all the way in. That's going to come into play this morning. This morning we're going to look at an incident that happened just after Jesus' birth, not long after at any rate, that helps us hear, right? Uh, and if we choose to listen, 
twice, if we choose to listen twice, we'll tune out the other voices so that we can hear Jesus' whisper uh, in our ear, whispering to us what he has whispered to others. So look at Luke chapter 2, uh, beginning of verse 21. If you've got uh, the Version Bible app on your phone, you can follow there with your notes. Uh, if you go to the events uh, tab, you can actually find our notes for this morning there. So Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated uh, to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So eight days after Jesus is born, he begins to undergo the first of three ceremonies uh, which followed the birth of any Jewish boy. These are on your notes, I believe. Want to make sure you got these. The first one uh, is he was circumcised. The Old Testament law was very specific about how Jewish children were to uh, be consecrated and dedicated back to the Lord. Leviticus 13 is, w- is where you will find this. Male babies were to be circumcised on the eighth day. Now, I don't know about the rest of you guys in here, but it just seems like a nice thing to get that over with early. Um, Heard about a boy in second grade who said to his friend, I won't be here at school tomorrow. I have to go to the hospital and have a circumcision. And his, and his, his friend said, oh, man, I had one of those when I was born. I couldn't walk for a year. <laughs> you know, when you get to tell a circumcision joke, you just take the opportunity. Uh, <laughs> it was... It was And if there are any younger people in the room, parents, you may be having a conversation later this afternoon while I'm napping. Please don't call me. Uh, It was on this eighth day that a boy received his name. So on the eighth day, on this day, he receives the name that the angel had told them that they were to name him Jesus. And so it's on this day that he does. Verse 22 mentions two other ceremonies. The second is the redemption of the firstborn according to Jewish law. Every firstborn male, whether it was a human infant or cattle, they were sacred to God. The parents would take the firstborn son to the, to the temple to redeem him. Literally, they were buying him back, uh, uh, this, their son from God, for the sum of five shekels or about $2.50. The amount was to be paid to the priest, and it couldn't be paid sooner than 31 days after his birth third ceremony was called the purification after childbirth. Verse 22 says, when the time came for the purification rites, again, Leviticus 12 talks to us about this, says that when a woman has given birth to a son, she would be considered unclean for seven days, and then the son would be circumcised, and then she would stay away from all holy things for 33 days. That number, if it was a girl, uh, infant, would be doubled. Uh, Then she would offer a lamb or a dove and a pigeon. But if she was too poor for a lamb, a second dove or pigeon uh, could be offered. Verse 24 tells us what Mary and Joseph offered. They offered doves because they could not afford. Tells you where they were financially. They could not afford uh, a lamb. So I want you to catch the, uh, the timing on this. Our verses are happening 40 days after Jesus is born. So for us uh, on our calendar, we're looking at maybe February 3rd is when this is happening in, in our time. We're at the tail end of a very exciting season. 
Christmas. Uh, how many of you have your decorations down already? How many football fans threw their decorations down uh, maybe after their team played? Christmas is over. Listen, the emotions. Jimmy, it was just a week ago. It was just a week ago today. Everybody was, I mean, flying high. Everybody was looking. I mean, the kids were I mean, anticipating, and you know what that's like. Uh, but now, now a week later, our emotions have come back down to normal levels, and the everydayness of regular life takes over. And I think this is on your notes, the test of the Christian life, because I want to make sure you catch this. The test of the Christian life isn't how well we handle the spiritual highs in our life, but how we function during the ordinary times. It's not just about celebrating the big days. It's what we do in between the big days. So Luke folks switches our focus for just a moment. In verse 25, he tells us that there was a man named Simeon who lived in Jerusalem who was righteous and devout, which means that... Uh, not only did Simeon practice uh, a careful observance of the law, he actually paid minute attention. I mean, he was paying attention to everything. And I wonder how he heard. I wonder how he knew. And maybe it was the report of the shepherds. Verse 20 tells us that they, when they left seeing Mary and Joseph, that they went away glorifying, praising God for everything they'd heard and seen. And so they were, you know, just talking to people about what they had had experienced. Could Simeon, is it possible that he had gotten wind of this bigger story? We don't know. Verse 27 says the Holy Spirit moved in him and directed him to go to the temple. At the same time, Joseph and Mary were entering uh, with Jesus to pay five shekels to redeem him. Verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms. Moms, can you imagine a total stranger coming up to you and asking to hold your 40-day-old baby? On the other side, can you imagine Simeon's thrill to hold God in his arms? It's no wonder he praised God. His next words, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Verse 33, it's the very next thing that happens. It's Mary and Joseph. Their mouths are open. Their eyes are wide. That's what it means, by the way, to say that they marveled. I mean, they just had that look on their face. I mean, even after a visit from an angel, even after the supernatural conception, even after the words of the shepherds, they still didn't grasp the significance of all those things. And so, again, they are just amazed by what's going on. And then Simeon told them three things. First, he said Jesus would cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. Paul would write about this to the church in Rome. He said, as it's written in the scripture, I will put in Jerusalem a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. Anyone who trusts in him. Read that last part. Let's read that together, that sentence. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. Listen, uh, second, he says Jesus would be a sign spoken against. You just think about the stories that you know about Jesus. Was there anybody that you read about in the Gospels or even in the, in the letters? Is there anybody that took a neutral attitude towards him? They were just kind of, eh, you know, hey, it's Jesus. Jesus came as a clear sign from God that salvation is possible only through him. And some refused to accept the sign. Others actually spoke against him, and people still today speak against him. Do not accept that he is the way 
to, to God. Not one of the ways. He is the way to God. Then Simeon said this, because of Jesus, the sword will pierce your own heart too. By the way, that word for sword in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, is the same word used of Goliath's sword when, they, when telling the story of David and Goliath. I don't know if you can imagine how Mary would have felt hearing that. I mean, you do know what he's referring to. Jesus is an infant, and yet already he's pointing to the resistance of people to Jesus being so strong, so frightful, that Mary's going to be overtaken by sorrow. And we know that during his earthly ministry, that how he was treated by the Jewish authorities, that they treated him with growing hatred and envy and persecution. And which of us parents, when our children are treated poorly, do not absorb those blows as well? I mean, we feel the pain of our children. But surely she felt the pain of the nails that were put into her son's hands and feet. You know, as, as a mother, would she not have screamed in pain just at the sight of the crown of thorns that not had, they hadn't been placed on his head, they'd been beaten down onto his head. And when they shoved the spear in his side, don't you suppose they may as well have shoved it in hers as well? As she saw that happen. These words of Simeon, and no wonder they marveled. Listen to them one more time. A sword will, will pierce your own soul too. Your son is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel, and he will be a sign spoken against. One more. Because of Jesus, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Again, think about the people who met Jesus. Did anyone ever come into contact with him and not have their heart revealed? In, in the story, somewhere, think of the rich young ruler, Zacchaeus the woman at the well, even leaders like Peter and Paul, their responses to being with Jesus. Listen, you learn a lot about a person by how they respond to contact with Jesus. Think about all the people throughout Scripture who came into contact with Jesus. Think about the people that you know today. When they come into contact with Jesus, how they respond to him tells you a lot about who they are as a person. And here's the thing, again, on your notes, I believe it's not during the high of the celebration, the Christmas Eves and Easter's. Everybody loves those days. But it's in the everyday of life that Jesus reveals our hearts. Would it surprise you to find out that when Jesus was only 40 days old, he's already, as an infant, He's already revealing the hearts of those who came into his presence. And we can see what Jesus is whispering about them. Look at our verses again. The first two are his parents, Joseph and Mary. Joseph whispers, uh, or Jesus whispers Joseph and Mary's obedience to God. So when he, when he whispers about them, what we learn about them is their obedience. On verse 21, uh, it says, on the eighth day when it was time. And so here's the question, who determined this? On the eighth day when it was time. Who said it was time? God's word said it was time. Uh, verse 24, in keeping with what is said uh, in the law of the Lord. Uh, and verse 22, can you go back to that one? I apologize, I slipped right over that. Uh, required by the law of Moses. These things were required by the law of Moses. It was in keeping with what the law of the Lord said. Do you see what you're finding out about these two people God chose to raise his son? So let me just ask you this, because I need to step back from the story for a moment. And maybe being seven days away, six days away, we can maybe do this, or five days away, maybe we can do this with a little more objectivity than we could have a week ago. 
Were Mary and Joseph perfect? No. Were they sinless? No. But they were obedient. Are you noticing something there? Not perfect, not sinless. They were obedient. Here they are in a strange city about 80 miles from home. For most of us, an hour and a half trip. For some of us, an hour. Uh, But not for them. Not for them when they were traveling. It was a long, hard trip for this couple who were expecting their firstborn child, and there are no formal accommodations available to them. Eight days after his birth, he is circumcised. He's named in obedience to the law of God. They knew they had to do that. But then they go to the temple, a strange temple. Not, it's not, listen, this is not where they normally are. They're in a strange city, a new place. They pay five shekels, $2.50 to, to redeem their firstborn. What would you say if you had to come here eight days after your child was born to pay $2.50 for them? I know what some of you would say. You just said, man, that's way too much for this child. All right, listen. So... What, 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 would you do that if you were in a strange city, far from home, no guarantee of income while you're away? Maybe let me ask a more 21st century question. When you're out of town on a business trip and no one is there to hold you accountable, are you? Are you obedient with how you spend your business expense account? Are you obedient with what you watch on TV about which establishments you frequent when no one is familiar, the kind of words that you use? Does your Bible make the trip with you? And if it's with you on your phone or some other device, do you ever look at it? Let me bring it even closer to these verses. When you're away from home on vacation, where do you worship? Do you take as much care in finding your church as you do your restaurants? You know, Sandy and I vacation in the same general area every year. It took about 10 years to find a church that I just look forward to going to. I mean, I, when we go on vacation, I know exactly where, I, where we're going because I look forward to going to that church. Do you take as much care to choose your church when you're gone, when you're out of town, as you do your restaurants? And let me ask you this. What happens to your five shekels when you're on vacation? When you're out, What happens to your five shekels, your $2.50? The emphasis on giving in Scripture is obedience. Are you as obedient with your offerings as Joseph and Mary were with theirs? And if you follow the story of Jesus' birth, you find that, that Joseph and Mary were obedient every step of the way from Mary even accepting the responsibility to giving birth, to Joseph agreeing to even take Mary as his wife, to the trip to Bethlehem. These three ceremonies, Joseph and Mary, obedient every step. Someone said this, the only part of your Bible that you truly believe is the part you obey. You see that on your notes? The only part of your Bible that you truly believe is the part you obey. So here's the question that comes from that statement. Which part of yours do you believe? Are you following the question? Uh, Peter would say this. So what kind of people should you be? You should live holy lives and serve God. And so Jesus, as a, a just, I mean, just fresh as an infant, is already whispering about those who were chosen to be his mom and dad. He's whispering uh, about 
their obedience to God uh, and how much they loved him. Listen, so this, when Christmas is boxed away, the lights and the excitement of the holiday is gone, what will Jesus reveal about your obedience to God? should be on your notes. So when Christmas is over, the lights and the excitement of the holiday is gone, what will Jesus reveal about your obedience to We're talking about now. We're talking about right now. What is he whispering as we move away from the celebration of Christmas back into everyday life? Here's the second. Jesus whispered Simeon's purpose in life, which is super important, by the way. And it's so interesting we catch a glimpse of this. As a matter of fact, if you look at verses 25 and 26, you see what his purpose, this is his whole purpose in life. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. So somehow God has told him uh, through the Holy Spirit that he would not leave this earth until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. They've been waiting over 400 years of silence. God had not spoken through prophets for 400 years. And the Israelites have been waiting for someone who's going to deliver the nation. So this is something they've been waiting for. And now he's being told by the Holy Spirit somehow that he, he's not going to die until he sees this Messiah. So he's waiting because the Holy Spirit has told him that, that this is what would happen. And the moment that it was revealed to him, what he'd been waiting his whole life for was happening. How long do you suppose he waited? Scripture doesn't tell us. We, we have no idea. Uh, it's believed that he was an old man, although we're not told that either. Tradition will tell you that he was 113 years old. How long had he waited to see the Messiah expectantly, eagerly, faithfully? It seems obvious this was the purpose of his, his lifelong ambition because of the next words. This is what Simeon says. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. Those words of death paint several pictures. Uh, to dismiss your servant in peace means to take down a tent. It means to release a prisoner. It means to untie a ship and let it sail away. That's how Simeon felt. Jesus revealed what Simeon had been living to accomplish in his life. Listen, you know, there are heroes in the Bible, when we read about them, who did not want, live long enough to see their lifetime ambition fulfilled. Moses died on the mountain looking into the promised land. He never got to go in. Samson died attempting, attempting uh, to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. But they weren't delivered yet. But we know what they desired most in life. The question is, what about you and me? What is it that we desire most in life? What is our lifelong ambition? Listen, I, and I have several. You have heard these uh, from time to time. I want Sandy and I to be that old couple. I, I want us to be, and when I say that old couple, uh, you're going to know what I mean. I want us to be the couple that after, after 50, we were just talking about this because we celebrated 35 this year. And so in 50, we're looking ahead at 15 and figuring how old we're going to be. And then we start talking about great-grandchildren and, you know. Uh, but we want to be that old couple, uh, 50 years of marriage, still holding hands that young people point to and say, whatever it is they've got, I want it. That's, that's, so that's one of my goals. I want to see my baptized children baptize their children. I want my retired life. When I retire, I, I, please, that's, that does not mean that I will stop, but I want others, to, I want it to inspire others to continue serving God until they take their last 
breath. I want MCC to have the reputation not of merely being a church where a lot of people go to worship, but being a church where a lot of people are being changed. Their lives are being changed by God. I want to see God change so many lives here that we can, not everyone can meet at this place anymore. It doesn't even make sense for all of us to meet because now we can plant a church that is healthy and ready to reach another community. Listen, I want more of you to know what it feels like to baptize someone into Jesus. And I want to hear, the thing I want to hear more than anything else is at the end of my life for God to say, not you are perfect, not that you are sinless, because that's not going to happen. But to hear him say, well done, Mike. Welcome home. So I just wonder if you've thought about that. You know, what What does knowing Jesus reveal about your ambition in life? Okay, here, there's one more person, and we've not looked at her story yet. Her story follows ours in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. Her name is Anna. Luke tells us she's a prophetess, which is significant because, remember, I mentioned a moment ago, for 400 years, God has not spoken to the Israelites through a prophet. And so here is one of the first prophets that pops up is, a, is, is Anna. She'd been married for seven years. And she'd lived the rest of her life as a widow. Verse 36 tells us she's very old. Verse 37 tells us she's at least 84 years old. And she never left the temple. She worshiped there night and day, fasting and praying. And verse 38 says that just as Simeon finished speaking, she came up at that very moment. Imagine the timing of that. She comes up at that very moment. And I wonder, I don't know, we're not told, but I wonder if she got to hold Jesus. And she gave thanks to God for him. I don't know if you can imagine Joseph and Mary, angels, shepherds, Simeon, and now Anna, verse 38, after she thanked God. Look at what she did. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God, and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You know what this says that Jesus whispered uh, about Anna? says that Jesus whispered uh, the content of her heart. Jesus was revealing already the content of this woman's heart. Later in his ministry, Luke would record Jesus as saying, what you say uh, flows from what is in your heart. If you want to know what's controlling what's coming out of your mouth, it's what's inside your heart. And, And what's Anna talking about? Because it tells about what has filled her heart or who has filled her heart. And so you know what I'm going to ask next. What does your mouth reveal about what has filled your heart? Because what comes out of your mouth? Listen, it's not, it's not an accident. It's not that it might reveal. What comes out of our mouths reveals what is in our heart. And so we need to check our mouth if we want to know what's in our heart. And if you want to change what comes out of your mouth, You need to change your heart. So let me ask you, if if you were to bump into Jesus this morning in this room, and frankly, I hope that you have. I mean, through the songs that we've sung already, maybe through his word in some way, what would he reveal about you? Just your being here this morning and your attitude about worship, not just being in the place, but your your the person you've brought in, who you are in this room this morning, what does that reveal about your obedience? What what does it reveal about your ambition and your lifelong pursuits? What does just being here this morning reveal about the content of your heart? You know, this is the last Sunday of 2018. Does that even seem possible? I mean, it's just when I think about that, sometimes that blows my mind. When you look back, what does Jesus reveal about your year? 
Have you been faithful in worship? Have you been faithful in his word? Have you obeyed what you've read? Have, listen, what, what have your words this past year revealed about what's inside your heart? And not only do we stand at the end of 2018, we stand right toward the beginning of 2019. So when we come to the end of this next year, what do you want Jesus to have revealed about you? When, when, we come, when we stand a year from now, if Jesus waits that long to come back, when we come to the end of 2019, what do you want Jesus to reveal about you? Uh, on your notes it says, it's how we live our lives between the Christmases that prove if we really know him. So today, today we, we, we determine what our, what is next for us in our faith, how we will live, because we are right now literally between the Christmases. So if that statement is true, we get to determine right now what it's going to be like. And for some of us, it's about we're already on this journey with Jesus. We are following him. And we, so we are. that means, by the way, we're moving. You don't sit and follow somebody. You don't stand still and follow somebody. You're always on the move when you're following somebody because they're moving. Jesus is not standing still. He's going. So what is your next step? In following him. For some of us, it is to continue reading and reflecting on Scripture. It is to continue serving as we are and to just continue to open ourselves up to his word. It's about our prayers and and are we confessing our sins to Jesus? Are we asking him for guidance because he's right beside you every day and he wants to help you? God's spirit lives inside of you, wants to direct you. Are you doing those things and just continuing to follow him? And if, listen, if you are new to MCC and you want to know who we are and why we talk about these kind of things and what are the kind of things that we do and why do we do them that way, next Sunday Adam's going to be teaching our first step class. Uh, and, and I hope that you'll be a part of that. It'll be at 9 or during this hour. So you can go to class this hour. It's just up the steps and in a room right up here behind us. And I hope that you'll join him for that. Just let us know. Please, I think you can uh, check out the Bible app. You should be able to register for that. For others... Our next step, and I know this because I've talked to, it seems like there's about a dozen people who, quite frankly, your next step is your first step in following him. It's about making the commitment of your heart to Jesus. I had someone tell me that's their New Year's resolution, to which I would respond, why are you waiting? If you know you need to make a commitment to Jesus, Why are you waiting today? Let today be the day. We can make that happen. It doesn't happen to happen this morning. There's 24 hours in this day, just like there were yesterday. (laughs) Today can be your day. For some of us, it's as simple as, you know what, you're just kind of kicking the tires. You're trying to figure this thing out. You don't know yet if even Jesus is real or if the church, you've heard so many things about churches and you just don't know. For you, your next step is just come back next week. Just keep checking us out and see, is what we're saying true? Do we live our lives that way? This is when we come to a time of communion where we not only remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, I'm going to remind you of what I remind you of the very first week of this series as I'm sitting over on this side of the room. My favorite Christmas decoration is right over here, and it's the cross with the manger in front of it. Because that helps us remember uh, and helps us become a time for what Simeon said, to intentionally reveal the thoughts of our hearts to God. Because not just that he was born, it's why he was born. And so this moment is when we 
we very intentionally as a group, we open our hearts to God and say, check it out, please. And if there is anything in there that is offensive or unpleasing to you, will you please help me get rid of that? So as we, we receive the emblems today, the bread that reminds us of his body, the juice that reminds us of his blood, would you open yourself up to God and allow what he reveals to you about who you are in his sight, how much he loves you, and how he's helping you become like his son, your next step in that process. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you for who you are. And the story of the birth of Jesus just reveals to what lengths you will go to. Because Jesus didn't begin to exist in Bethlehem. He already existed. He came in human form at Bethlehem, the birth that we celebrate. And what he gave up to come be with us, to show us his love. God, thank you. Because your heart is revealed at Christmas as well. Revealed by Jesus. And we pray that today as we receive these emblems and as we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, that we would lay our hearts bare before you today. God, that you would help us become more like your son. And we pray this for your son, Jesus.